a Podcast One production. Marianne Williamson is a best-selling author, political activist, spiritual thought leader, and most recently ran for the American presidency. She is one of the world's wisest public voices and is one of Oprah's as well as my own greatest teachers. Marianne says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. In this heartfelt conversation, Marianne and I talk about the importance of relationships, the darkness of politics, and the power of choosing love over fear. Love is to fear what light is to darkness. You turn on the light, the darkness can't be there. The darkness was just the absence of the light. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Marianne is the author of 14 books, four of which have been number one New York Times bestsellers. In this episode, you will learn why shifting your thoughts to love will not only change your life, but all of those who surround you. Marianne, your words have touched the lives of millions. You are one of the greatest teachers of love and you just ran for the American presidency not long ago, which we will touch on later. But take us through your deep spiritual journey and where it began, because I know A Course in Miracles has and continues to have a huge impact on your life. My religious journey is that I'm, I'm Jewish and I was raised in a conservative Jewish home, um, religious, you know, denomination of Judaism conservative. And um, when I was in my 20s, really starting in my uh, teens, I began to have a greater and greater interest in the more mystical side of religious teachings. Uh, the mystical path within the Jewish religion is Kabbalah. Uh, then there's also uh, the mystical path within Christianity. There, the mystical path is a universal spiritual phenomenon, the path of the heart. And all the great religious and spiritual teachings have that river within them. Mm. And I realized how much the mystical principles are universal and do not belong to any one particular uh, religion. So I would just read books and uh, always had an interest in these kinds of things. I studied comparative religion and philosophy when I was in college. And as I was going through the normal things that people in their 20s go through, which I think is a very difficult decade for Mm. most people, I was just gobbling up books. I was interested in anything. I was interested in Eastern philosophy. I was interested in Western philosophy. I was interested in traditional esoteric religious teachings. I was interested in the more um, exoteric, uh, whether it was St. Augustine or Ram Dass and, and the I Ching. It was all just very interesting to me and still is. But I, in most ways, was not able to put together all of that information I was learning and practical application that I needed in order to live my own life in a happier, more productive way. And then when I was around 26 years old, I think, I picked up a set of books called A Course in Miracles. And something clicked when I read The Course in Miracles, which is not to say 
that it says the truth, you know, has any monopoly on truth. It doesn't claim to. It's not for everyone. But if it's for you, you know it. I think there's one truth with a capital T, and it's spoken in many different ways. Mm. But when I read The Course in Miracles, I knew that for me, this was the book, this was the teaching where, okay, I not only understand the principle, and many times the principle was something I've read elsewhere, but I get the key to unlocking the door within my own heart, the practical application, because it's a very practical course. Mm. And so my uh, study of the Course in Miracles became such a huge uh, part of my life that then I started uh, working at a, at a bookstore where they asked me to give talks about it. I uh, then, of course, published my first book in 1992. I first started reading the course in the 1970s. And then I started writing and then I started lecturing on the course in 1983. And then my first book was published in 1992. And because Oprah read it and Oprah promoted it, it gave me a, a really an international platform that I would not otherwise have had. And, and it has and continues to be uh, my own spiritual. Um, I think most of us find we have one primary spiritual teaching. Yes. Um, and it's my daily guide. Well, Marianne, it was your translation of A Course in Miracles that got me into studying A Course in Miracles because it can be quite a, a, a dense book. But the way that you were able to to translate it made it so so fascinating to me. And it actually, we I ended up getting a group of friends together. So you brought us all together and we used to study it every single week and we didn't get all the way through it. But it ended up being this beautiful spiritual, rich conversation about life and the way that we perceive the world to be so different to what we actually thought that it was. You say something very interesting, that we either walk in the direction of love or fear. And I remember reading that in A Return to Love. It absolutely changed my life. Can you explain why that is? Well, if you think about it, it's pretty much common sense. Mm. Every moment we're making a decision. Sometimes we make the decision consciously and sometimes we make it unconsciously. But every moment we're facing life with an open heart or with a closed heart. I could be here saying, wow, I'm honored that you invited me on your podcast. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I want to show up as best I can. I want you to show up as best you can. I want to only assume you're the most lovely person and I can stand and hope that when you put your energies together with my energies, that we might do something that is better for other people as well. Or why do I have to do this? Who is this woman? She's in Australia. Why should I care? Whatever. She's not my country. Uh, What am I going to get from this? I don't know. Do you think anybody will hear it? Do you think anybody might come to my website? Whatever. Those are, you know, it's yes. obviously a very dramatic. But my point is we run these games about situations and all minds are joined. All minds are joined. So people subconsciously know where you're coming from, whether they rationally know it or not. So when you go into any situation and you're there to give and not just think about what you're going to get from it, when you are going into any situation hoping to be a blessing, 
sending your love before you. This is not just symbolic. And other people can feel it. Mm. And the Course in Miracles says that all thought creates form on some level. That's what the law of cause and effect is. If I walk into a situation, basically discarding anyone from my heart for any reason, I will be discarded. Maybe not by that person. Maybe that person will be so enlightened that they just don't go down there. But I will still feel discarded because I discarded myself. Mm. And when you begin to realize that every moment you have that much power, every moment you are programming your future, you're not trying to get your positioning of your consciousness correct so that you'll be in heaven after you die. You're trying to position your consciousness correctly because heaven or hell is right here, right now. Yes. You know, we are, we are taught a worldview that says if you, if your podcast does well, you might get something later. But really, the Course in Miracles would say the joy is right here, right now that we can be here. And this is it. It doesn't get better than this. And then when you, when you allow your, your, your thoughts to go there and you realize how profoundly true it is, if you realize you live in a country and I live in a country that gives, affords us opportunities to do something that in certain countries of the world, a woman would not be allowed to do. Mm. She wouldn't be allowed to have her own podcast. Even if she had her own podcast, she wouldn't be allowed to say whatever she wants to say. That you and I live in two of the most powerful countries in the world. So when women in the most powerful democracies raise their vibration to the point of really wanting to be of service, it is literally one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful transformative elements on the planet. There are two parallel universes and which one you inhabit more often than not is up to you. That's what the course has taught me. The word discipline and the word disciple come from the same roots. It's fascinating. And, you know, going back to fear and love, I mean, I've been in situations in my life where I remember thinking I'm walking into a meeting and this is not going to go well. And, you know, I I know they're going to talk to me about this and I don't want it to be like this. And I thought to myself, okay, stop. How can I change this? And I remember going into a meditation about 20 minutes before the interview and it was a love meditation And I imagined the person that I was meeting and I just absolutely surrounded them with love. And I came out of that, out of that meditation, just exuding love. And then we got, we got on the, on the phone call for the meeting and my vibration was absolutely different compared to the scared, worried person I was going into the meditation. And you know what, Marianne, the meeting went absolutely perfectly and it, it worked out completely in my favor and everything was fine. And let's go further into that because that's absolutely what we're talking about when we say you had a miracle. Yes. So the universe is both self-organizing and self-correcting. So if you look at the human body, the human body can take a lot of assault and injury and repair itself. Mm. And the psyche can take a lot of heartbreak and and psychic pain and repair itself. Now, the universe works that way. It's though there is an immune system. So that the universe is either taking one moment that works for everybody and following it by another moment that works for everybody. Or if someone has introduced lovelessness into the system, the universe works like a GPS. It automatically recalibrates. Now, 
when you said that you didn't want to go into the meeting, you didn't want to go into the meeting because something had happened. Mm. Something had happened, you, them, someone else. There was gnarliness. There was a mis- the wires were not in pure love alignment. By your meditating, you entered in what to the Course in Miracles calls a holy instant. And you let the universe reset itself. It's just like when you reset your phone, it's wow. reset it with the machine. You let it, it reset so that the universe could recalibrate, which it was ready to do. But if you had gone into the meeting carrying with you what the Course in Miracles would call the shadow figures from the past, carrying that into the present, you would have been programming the future to be like the past. But in the present moment, you let the universe reset itself, and that's what love does. Because in the presence of love, miracles occur naturally. So if we go into any meeting and just send your love before you, it's like when an Olympic athlete has a coach that says, see, see the move before you make it. Mm. And that also, the story you told, once again, demonstrates how much power you have. But it's a power in you, but not of you. That's just blowing me away. I mean, I feel that we don't realize how much power we actually have over our lives. We're much more, well, your, your famous quote is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Well, the ego mind, and you know this because you've been a student yeah. of the course, The ego mind is the belief that we are separate from God and separate from each other. And in the realm of the three dimensions, you and I are separate from each other. You're over in Australia. I'm in Washington, D.C. On the realm of the physical self, we're separate. Mm. But on the level of the mind, there's no place where you stop and I start. That's why this is so extraordinary that we're talking on Zoom. I mean, people centuries ago, it would would have been like science fiction, right? Mm. Before science fiction even existed. So the ego mind is the belief in separation. And so the ego, which is the mind of fear, because it's the absence of love or oneness, does not want us to see what our actual power, our oneness is, because that would be the death of the ego. So it's seeking self-preservation. The moment I realize I'm one with you and that our my, you know, the Course in Miracles talks about the separation of needs. Mm. That's an ego concept. The truth of the matter is you have the same need in this conversation that I do. We're here for the same purpose. As soon as we get that and dwell in that space, guess what? There's no need for you to have ego thoughts about it. There's no need for me. In the presence of light, darkness disappears. So the entire world in which we live is marshaled against our realizing how much internal power we have. Also, if we had more of a sense how much internal power we have, it would completely rock the economic systems that dominate the world. Because if I realized how much I have, I wouldn't be as consumer-based. Because a lot of our consumerism is based on the idea that I'm not enough and I don't have enough. Yes. Once you realize you are enough, you start to realize you basically have enough that I really don't need another shirt because I haven't really used, worn, and enjoyed the ones I have as much as I could. I don't really need another blah, 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 because I haven't really sucked the juice out of 
that which I already have. It completely changes the social and economic Mm. framework when people know that the source of their good and the source of their happiness and the source of their enoughness is basically um, internal. Now, the truth of the matter is there would still be commerce, but there would be righteous commerce. Mm. There would still be a righteous exchange of energy, and an ex- but, but it would be based on a win-win. And that's all relationships, not just monetary relationships, but personal relationships. It's the difference between I don't have enough and basically I'm trying to get something from you versus I'm whole and you're whole. Hey, that's so cool. You want to play? Mm. You don't have to get anything from me. I don't want to get anything from you. But how wonderful the two complete people can dance through life together. It's a, it's a completely, uh, uh, it's a paradigm that is completely opposite. It's 180 degrees away from the ego's paradigm that dominates the world. Fascinating. How do you define a miracle, Marianne? Well, as a student of the Course in Miracles, what the Course says is that a miracle is a shift in perception. Mm. You described a miracle when you said you were about to go into the meeting and you had all these thoughts about it and they were based in fear. Mm. You took the time in meditation you have what the Course calls the holy instant and you thought love instead. Love is to fear what light is to darkness. You turn on the light, the darkness can't be there. The darkness was just the absence of the light. You took you through that meditation. You just sent love to that person. Cause and effect is the basic building block of the universe. You change on the level of consciousness. You the the effects automatically change, and that's what a miracle is. A miracle is a shift in our own perception of a situation from fear to love. And all that the world experience is is a projection back to us of the thoughts that we're thinking. Yes. Well, that's the thing that I feel is is hard for a lot of people at times to actually register that it is our thoughts are so unbelievably important. We are here on earth to learn and it's, you say it's not up to you what you learn, it's up to you to learn through joy or pain. Can you explain that? Yes, and that's not my line. That's straight from, that's a direct uh, quote from The Course in Miracles, that it is not up to you what you learn. It's merely up to you whether you learn through joy or through pain. Now, this is a very important concept. It's basically the idea that the universe is intentional. The mind of God is intentional. So look at it this way. The, the The acorn is already programmed to become an oak tree. The embryo is already programmed to become a baby. The bud is already programmed to become a blossom. You and I are also programmed. You are programmed to become the highest manifestation of creative, joyful possibility for you this lifetime, which, by the way, is infinite potential. And so am I. But what you and I have that the acorn and the embryo don't have is free will, which means that you and I can say no. So in any moment that we're thinking with love, we are moving in the direction of our highest, that's a high vibration, moving in the direction of the highest manifestation and embodiment of our possibility this lifetime. Anytime we close our heart, because like we were talking about before, every moment your Mm. heart is either open or closed. Anytime we close our heart, we're there for selfish reasons. We're there to get instead of give. We're judging people. We're blaming people. We're not forgiving people. We're being controlling. All that 
stuff. We know that stuff that we give into the attitudinal uh, gravity, right? We all have that within us. We all have that temptation any moment within us. When we do that, we call forth non-loving behavior. But the universe being intentional says, Sarah or Marianne, you know, you didn't really play that very well. And you, because you didn't play it very well, you brought some pain upon yourself. Notice how those people rejected you. Notice how those people don't like you. Notice how those people don't want to work with you. Mm. Notice how you lost the sale. Look how your neediness uh, repelled him. Look to how your jealousy, look how you're being so controlling and negative made him not want to be with you. So you're still going to learn your lesson. You were going to learn it either because you were, you were your best self and invited great consequences or you were not your best self and you invited humiliation, embarrassment, rejection, and pain. Mm. But I know as well as you do that in those situations where I got it wrong and I invited humiliation, I invited pain, I invited suffering for myself, I am motivated to get it right next time. Yes. I got the lesson. I either got it because I got it right or I got the lesson because I got it wrong. Yes. And if I continue to get it wrong, the universe is just going to keep knocking on my door until something's going to happen. And I'm going to say, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it was always my choice. I could have learned it through joy. And I think that that's what spiritual maturity is, that you get to the point where you're aware you've lived enough and you've hurt yourself enough. Your example was an, it was an example of that for me. Yes. I had a meeting uh, a few years ago, several years ago now. And I don't know why, Sarah, but I walked into the meeting in a very negative space. I was cynical. I wasn't fun. I wasn't positive. And it was particularly off because there were people there who had never met me and were all excited to be in a meeting with Miriam Williamson. And I just, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. Why didn't I, you know, my life works well when I practice what I preach. Yeah. What happened to me that day that I hadn't, before I went in there, poured my love over everyone? I don't know what happened. I, I never had enough memory, but whatever, I blew it. And you know what? I was spun out of that situation. People didn't want to play with me. Mm. That was very embarrassing for me. Not only to what I'd done, but the people who would have thought Marianne Williamson would have been a far more positive element saw it. Bang, that was painful. But you know what? That was probably the most important lesson I ever had yes. in remembering before you go into any meeting, remember to bless everybody in the meeting before you go in. You learn to joy, you learn to pain, but I learned. Yes. There's people that have contacted me and have talked about terrible heartbreak that they've gone through and really believe that it that it wasn't their fault. How do you explain something like that from a spiritual perspective when they're absolutely devastated and they don't see how how this could have happened and they feel that they haven't done anything wrong on their end? Is it because you're dealing with two different people? How do you explain that? In The Course in Miracles, it says that you pay a very high price for not taking 100% responsibility for your experience. Yeah. The price you pay is that you won't be able to change it. So I would say to that person, really 
Not even one little bit was you? Really? Not even one little piece of it was you? And if people are honest with ourselves, I mean, there might be a serial killer who came to your house or a rapist or something, obviously. But the vast, vast, vast majority of cases in our lives, thank God, is nothing like that. For most people, it never will be, thank God. The vast majority of human experience, you at least had something to do with it. Mm. And I, in my life, uh, like in anyone, if you have enough life experience, uh, saw enough patterns in relationship and in other areas. The Course in Miracles says every situation is a relationship where the common element was me. And also, I think that's where the Course in Miracles is so extraordinary because it actually gives you tools. Yes. It actually gives you thoughts, which are your tools in your problem-solving repertoire, whether you practice them as something else. You know, I have been reading these books years enough. If it was as simple as knowing these principles intellectually, I'd be an enlightened master. Yeah. But it, The Course in Miracles says enlightenment takes a journey without distance from the head to the heart. And so it's about practice. Every situation in life is an opportunity to practice. And sometimes I've seen this in my life, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen it in yours, where you went through a situation and you played it differently than you'd played it in the past. Mm. And no one else could possibly know what a miraculous moment that was for you. Because our neuroses are not where we're bad. It's where we're wounded. It's where the wires got crossed. It was some trigger. It might've been childhood. It might've been adulthood, something where it's like an emotional muscle spasm made us so that in this moment, I don't know how to download my love and get my needs met. So that's what we call a trigger, Mm. right? But we're responsible and when you say, dear God, you know, it, it, we, we, the most psychotherapeutic tradition in the last hundred years has been to try to figure out how I got that way. Yes. And what I've seen in my life, it really doesn't matter how you got here. It's yours now. It doesn't matter whether it was your mommy or your daddy or your first boss. It's here now. And so you identify the behavior and you say, dear God, take this harshness away from me. Take this anger away from me. Take this neediness away from me. Take this controlling nature I have away from me. Take this way I have a being negative about it because I see, dear God, it messes with my life. It makes people not like me. It ruins my relationships. And then the Course in Miracles says it won't get met better immediately. You, when what will happen immediately is you will become ever more conscious of your dysfunctional behavioral pattern. Mm-hmm. So the next time something could trigger you that way, You probably will still act from the old pattern, but it's like you'll be so horrified while you're doing it. You, you, as the course says, you'll no longer anesthetize to your experience. You're still being bitchy in that moment, but you're inside something in you is going, I'm really bitchy here. Yes. And then there's a saying in AA that it's easier to act yourself into a new way of thinking than it is to think yourself into a new way of acting. And you'll just start acting a different way, even if it's not how you feel yet. And then the other thing I've seen, Sarah, in my life that has always amazed me about how the universe operates, I've noticed, it's kind of like you were talking before you and I came on about your friend, somebody 
sent something about my name. Yes. Uh, your Instagram page. Well, the universe is programmed for perfection. So everything you need and everybody you need to get advice from and everyone you need to emulate is, all, is already there. Yeah. So one of the things I'll see if I ask God, I'll say, you know, I know this character part of my personality really isn't very cool. I'm willing to be different. I'll notice how often I, I will be led to notice people who get it right in that area where I have gotten it wrong. Yeah. They had a different childhood experience or whatever. And I get to kind of see what it looks like. Mm. I get to see, wow, you actually, when somebody says that, you actually don't have to answer. Yes. You actually don't have to react. You actually. So the universe will always support you in growth. In the Talmud, the Jewish book of wisdom, there's a, uh, it is said that an angel is bent over every blade of grass saying, grow, grow, grow. Aww, that's beautiful. There's a beautiful prayer in the Course of Miracles that I used to say every morning, and I should keep saying it, and I, I taught it to my five-year-old son. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And the strangest thing was, Marianne, I mean, I talk to my son about so many things and he's unbelievably worldly because I love talking about this kind of stuff. But he memorised that. I think I said it to him twice. And one day we're in a taxi going somewhere and he he just said it to me and I thought, my God, how how have you memorized this beautiful prayer it was it was it blew my mind but can you explain to us what that prayer is about okay i'm sure many of your listeners do yoga yes and when you do yoga there's an asana there's a position and it doesn't really matter if you're advanced in it yet what matters is that your position is correct and when your position is correct physically it allows the energies to flow through you. It opens your body to health and healing. And it just places you in correct alignment yes. to receive the physical and spiritual uh, energies that will uplift your life. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom is an attitudinal asana. Because we, the ego would say, what do you want to make happen today? Mm. What do you want to get out of this day? What can you get from that meeting? What can you get from that circumstance? How can you make it all about what you want? When you say, where would you have me go? You're saying, where can I be so that love's purposes would be most fulfilled? Because that's what God is. God is the thought of love. Yes. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do so that love's purposes might be most fulfilled? What would you have me say and to whom so that love's purposes might be most fulfilled? And when you realize that that's where your own safety lies, because love is, God is love for all living things, past, present, and future. The ego says, you, if you want to be happy, you have to go make everything happen that you think should happen. Spirit says, you're already programmed for happiness. Your problem is that you fight the program. Mm. God already has a, 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 a path, just like for the acorn into the oak tree. There's a path by which you'll be made happy. 
But the ego says, no, I'll be happy if I get this, achieve that, get this or that to happen. And spirit just says, no, just ask that you be used for love's purposes and you're lifted into a Gulf stream. And not only is it your path to happiness, but it's your path to happiness in the future as well, because you are programming the present uh, for uh, miraculous purposes. So that's what I think of it as. It's an emotional, psychological asana. It's correct alignment. How has that changed your life? I mean, I can imagine in the most miraculous ways. Well, I see what anybody sees when I practice what I preach. The stuff works. Mm. There are object, and when I don't, it doesn't. There are objective, discernible laws of internal phenomena, just as there are objective, discernible laws of external phenomena. Here are my glasses. I know the law of, of gravity so that I'm aware that if I drop my glasses, they'll fall to the ground. Yes. Now you don't say, oh, she's so faithful. I'm not so faithful in the law of gravity. I just know the law of gravity. Well, I also know uh, the law of cause and effect. I know not only how powerful gravity is, but I know how powerful attitudinal gravity is. Mm. And I know that if I allow my thoughts to be all the things you and I have talked about, loveless, then I've hurt myself enough times. Now, I'm not an enlightened master. I don't have a 24-7, every day, all day track record for always getting it right, never falling down into lower level thought. But one thing I'm very clear is that when I have, um, it works. Yes. And when I fall into lower thought, it doesn't. Now, also, the Course in Miracles says that you were not created to be at the effect of lovelessness on your own part or anyone else's. So you might be the most loving person in the world until somebody else comes at you. Yes. Especially you and me as women. I mean, there is misogyny out there. Mm. So there are situations where you and I can go out there in totally centered in love. And as I have often said, two things bring up the darkness in other people, your darkness and your light. Mm. Sometimes oh, they're coming life. after you. Not because you Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they're coming after you, not because you did the wrong thing, but because you did the right yes. thing. But even that is a spiritual, is a spiritual lesson in knowing, as the Course in Miracles would say, the Christ in you cannot be crucified. The truth in you cannot be altered. Just don't, don't allow yourself to attach reality to what they just did to you. And the universe will circle back on your behalf. Oh, really? So, when I, once again, when I practice that, it works. And, uh, you know, I, you mentioned that I ran for president here. And when you come out of an experience like that, mm. you know, it's a brutal experience. It's exhilarating, but it's also brutal. Yes. And my ego mind had a lot of uh, opportunity for self-pity. And they did this to me. And they said that lie about me and they blah, blah, blah. And I knew that that was my biggest, you know, in terms of, the effort to process the experience, I knew that that was the biggest demon or ego thought that I was going to have to deal with. And I was pretty uh, disciplined with myself in that because in everything in life, you can be better or you can be better. And if there's a place where someone lied about you, if there's a place where somebody wronged you, if you can stay in love, it's going to come back around. Mm. There's a lot of people in my life that find it hard to forgive and I tell them that it's only them that's holding on to this this anger and this betrayal, but it's 
it seems so hard for them to let go. And I would love for everyone to know that letting go allows them to open themselves up to so much more amazing things. Well, once you know how the law operates, and like I said, there are laws of internal phenomenon, just like there are laws of external, there are laws of thermodynamics, the law of gravity, the laws of physics, well, there are laws of, of, of consciousness. And if I'm not letting go, that means I'm continuing to attach myself to the belief that what you did had the power to hurt me. Yes. And what's happening thereby is that it is continuing to hurt me, but only because I choose to continue believing in the reality of what you did. If I realize that only love is real, anything that was not love only has a temporary effect and the universe will uh, correct itself if I will be open to love, the miracle that interrupts the past mm-hmm. and present, then the universe will come back around. This is what in the Christian religion is the meaning of the symbolic three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Yes. And it's what in the Jewish religion is the meaning of the 40 years, the time it took between the uh, enslavement of the Israelites in Egypt and their entrance into the promised land. So it's not the old fashioned forgiveness of I'm spiritual and you're a jerk. It's realizing that the world in which you hurt me is not the ultimate reality. And I can have a choice to lay claim to a world beyond this where love cannot affect Mm. me. Like you just said, let go so that all these wonderful new things can come about. Otherwise, you're holding on to the defensiveness, the anger, and the blame. People can read it, and you're actually deflecting the miracle that would otherwise happen. The way it's written in the Course, it says you can have a grievance or you can have a miracle. Mm. You can't have both. Yeah, it's so true. Marianne, in 2019, as we touched on, you ran for the American presidency. And I remember when you posted this beautiful video and it, I think I watched it like 10 times and it felt like, wow, justice, justice will be done. Marianne is running for president. What made you want to run for, for the presidency? I said, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Aww. The Course in Miracles says you are to make no decisions for yourself. Um, I don't think anyone who runs for president or prime minister does so unless there's some sense of deep calling. Running for something like that is too difficult to do unless some deep part of you says to do it. And that was my experience. And through it all, the one thing I never doubted was my decision to do it because that was very, very clear to me. Mm. There is a line in the Course of Miracles that says, I will judge nothing that occurs today. How did you manage that when you ran for the American presidency? Because as you mentioned before, it's, that's a tough race. My, the answer to your question is not very well. Mm. Um, the clarity of my decision to run was unfortunately not matched 
by similar clarity when I was actually doing it. To say that it was tempting <laughs> on any given day um, what is an understatement. When you're actually campaigning and talking to people, it's just like you doing your podcast. Yes. It's inspiring. And you find out how wonderful people are. And you realize how aspirational people are and how good people are. That part was beautiful. But the way the press operates, mm. the way political machinery operates is brutal. And it was a lot of brutality thrown at me. I gave it too much attention. It, but interestingly enough, I fought back too little. You know, I was on a television show, a major news program in the United States. And he came at me. It was like an ambush. And it was live television. Wow. And the Course in Miracles says, these thoughts are your problem-solving repertoire. And the thought came to me in the Course, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. Mm. But I actually believe I made a mistake because I could have come right back at him, Sarah. I, I, I did a little bit. But I could have come back much more. I didn't have to leave my calm or my peace, but I could have laid down some facts. Mm. And it was interesting because so much of my personal journey has been learning to be gentler. And in that circumstance, I needed to be tougher. I thought later, millions of people were watching you. If you couldn't take on Anderson Cooper, why would they think you could take on Vladimir Putin? Yes. And so... It's as big a challenge to everything that you and I read about as you can imagine, because it's all happening so fast. And also, any little thing you do mm. that's not aligned, it's going to be all over the paper. It's going to be all, you know. Yeah. So, I, um, how, did I, how did I do? You know, I... Uh, my content was, I think, very, very good, but my way of campaigning and how all that went, not. In fact, the part of me, uh, different parts live inside, but there is a part of me that just wants to do it again to just get it right, to be able to uh, one day say, I did it right. Marianne, we'll, we'll definitely all be supporting you if you do run again. Well, thank you. You have your own podcast the Marianne Williamson podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, uh, like you, a podcast is a, I have found that a podcast is a wonderful opportunity to um, have the conversations that matter. Yes. Uh, Martin Luther King said, your life begins to end on the day you stop talking about things that matter. Mm. And we talk endlessly uh, in this world today about things that do not matter. And I think particularly for women like ourselves, uh, women in advanced democracies, you know, it's like when, uh, um, when the Dalai Lama said, if the world is safe, it will be women like us. The, the financial power, the uh, electoral power, the technological power. There are so many uh, ways in which the higher elevation of thought and conversation among certain people in the world can have a tremendous tremendous influence on whether or not we're able to navigate our way to a survivable future. 
so like you and millions of other people. I'm just asking, once again, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What, what are the ways that I could possibly be of, of use? So I'm very excited about it because of the guests, as I'm sure you feel the same mm-hmm. way. That's where the excitement comes in. Interesting people that you get to talk to and listen to. And um, it's uh, particularly with what's going on in the United States today. And we are in a period of like the whole country is having a nervous breakdown. American democracy is having a nervous breakdown, really. Um, Hearing people with really good ideas who are doing really smart thinking, who are really helping to pave the way to a sustainable future. uh, It gives me great joy to be in service of that, to that. Being the spiritual teacher you are and such a wise woman, Marianne, how do you make sense of what's going on in America today? I think to whom much is given, much is expected. Yeah. And the United States, we're so large and we have been blessed with so much uh, material power. And at various times in our history, we have wielded that power in very positive ways, not only for our own people, but for the world. But there have been other ways at other times where we have not. I mean, we were from the very beginning, just as you and your own history. And this is true of every country. You know, you can say some really good things about the past. You could say some really bad things about the past. Mm. So the United States has always struggled. We have always been a dichotomy between these profound principles of human possibility that are encoded in our founding documents and some very violent forces that have been with us from the beginning. Uh, slavery, institutionalized oppression of women, genocide of Native Americans, etc. Now, over time, our tendency has been to self-correct, but sometimes it takes time, and every generation lives out the struggle between those two poles of possibility. Over the last 40 years, America got very um, big for its britches, So much financial power, so much economic power, so much military power, and began to wield it in some irresponsible ways, I believe. American capitalism became untethered uh, to some of the ethical and moral considerations uh, that make capitalism righteous. we have news programs. Thank you, Mr. Murdoch, Australian. Yes, I'm sure yes. you get him over there too. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Our news media has become in many ways an engine for the polarization. Mm. We have sold out our principles to corporate money that has an undue influence on our government we have left unaddressed and in some ways have even exacerbated certain issues of racial inequality and injustice. And it all blew up at once. Mm. Uh, It wasn't like those elements were not there. They were. But when one man ascended to the presidency, playing all those notes for his own purpose, and his own purposes, it spent our it sent our democracy into a tailspin. Yes. No one would have thought that one person could do this much damage this quickly. Now, with the election of Joe Biden, 
we broke the free fall. But for instance, the fact that the president has refused to concede yet is an example of the fact that simply winning that election doesn't mean that all our problems are over. And it also, I believe, uh, is important to remember that if we simply go back to where we were before Trump, because of so many systems of economic and social injustice, we could be vulnerable again uh, to a would-be dictator or autocrat. And I'm sure um, from what we read here, people in Australia and New Zealand, people in Europe, people in many places in the world uh, see this at least as clearly as we do. And I think that uh, the disturbance that he has wrought is international in scope. Yes. Um, it's it's uh, very serious. And we appreciate prayers and good wishes as we go through this. We are going to navigate uh, these turbulent waters. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I think we're going to be a much better country on the other side of it. Uh, we're going to be a more humble country. Yes. I think we're going to be more dedicated to the principles on which we purport to stand. But I am not naive enough or unrealistic enough to think that that's going to happen quickly. Um, this is a very serious uh, moment, and it's going to take some very, very serious work mm. uh, to get us to the other side. Well, we definitely send our love from afar. Thank you. Thank you. Marianne, what is next for you in 2021? I mean, you, you constantly do so much. What do you have on the radar? Well, I want to, uh, I want my podcast to be as good as yours. Oh, I want to really work on this so that my podcast is, uh, is uh, moving along. Uh, I am in some conversation with people about some television. Um, I will be writing a book. Oh, uh, wow. Yes, my, I'm going to do another chapter on my book of politics of love for the paperback. I'm going to be um, uh, beginning a book about Jesus, actually, a book about the metaphysical Jesus. Yes. And uh, I think a lot of things will unfold in this coming year that will uh, tell me whether or not I ever want to run for office again. <laughs> uh, so uh, I expect the year to be pretty full. And my daughter is getting married. So that's. <laughs> Huge. That's very uh, my exciting. My daughter's getting married a year from now, and uh, I'm totally into the mother of the bride role. What is the best advice that you've ever been given? The best advice I give myself mm. based on my experience and my studies of Course in Miracles, etc., is get over yourself. <laughs> Life is so serious, it's important not to take yourself too seriously. Mm. In almost any problem you have, your advice should center around the fact that if you are making yourself too big a deal, if you're thinking only of yourself and not others, you're off course. If you are only thinking about now rather than the future, you're off course. If you're th making this too much about what you think you want, you're off course. You're blinded, you know, and the ego is your self-hatred posing as your self-love. Yes. So in the moments when I've made the biggest mistakes in my life, I thought it was a good idea at the time. 
But you look back and you realize I was so focused on what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then later, the same voice of the ego, which tempted you to do the wrong thing, then punishes you savagely for having done that. And you go, wait a minute, you're the one who told me to do it. So get over yourself, Marianne. Just get over yourself. Come off your high horse Mm -hmm. and try to think about this. Other people are here too, okay? Other people who are just as smart, just as special, just as wonderful, just as fragile, just as vulnerable as you, okay? This isn't just about you. The universe is, is, is not just made to make you happy. It's made to make all living things happy. You just, that's the dismantling. That's that matter. You just go into this place where can you just get over yourself for a second? Yes. And that more than anything is the removal of the kind of blinders that enable you to go back and go, I, I can get on track. And uh, that would be my best advice to myself. Marianne, what's your favorite prayer? Well, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom, of mm. course, is, is one of yeah. my favorites as well, and I mention it. But I also know that the Course in Miracles makes it clear. Nobody up there is going, you better get your words right. <laughs> yes. And, and in, the, in the, book of the, the book about prayer, that's an extension of the Course, it says that at the highest level, prayer is not an entreaty of any kind. You know how, like, when you're really in love with someone Mm. and just being with them, it could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be your child, just this moment. That's the highest prayer, to just be able to experience that moment, be still and know I am. So whatever words, you know, there are many beautiful prayers, the lines in the Course in Miracles, including that one, probably more than any other. Uh, God be with me, and may I be with you. What is your greatest hope for society today? (laughs) That we survive. Yes. We uh, are moving in a very self-destructive direction. Our environmental issues are such that if we do not take radical action within the next seven to ten years, um, sequester the carbon, and all of the other things that we need to do uh, to massively and fundamentally deal uh, with uh, greenhouse emissions, et cetera, we could find ourselves with entire swaths of continents uninhabitable. Uh, Heat so great, food could not be grown there. People could not live there. Major ecosystem collapse, uh, food shortages, economic collapses, and even if if things got bad enough, hundreds of millions of climate refugees. Now, why aren't we fixing that already? Yes. And the reason we're not dealing with it and making a sharp U-turn is because of the undue influence of the fossil fuel companies. My hope is that we will awaken. My hope is that we will realize that you can either have an economic bottom line in which, in which, in my country, it would be health insurance companies, big pharmaceutical companies, gun manufacturers, chemical companies, big agricultural companies, and defense contractors are the bottom line for how your government operates, advocacy for those things, or a new humanitarian bottom line mm. in which the health and well-being and safety of all living things becomes your bottom line. You know, we're living at a time, Sarah, 
where it's no longer going to be enough for you to take care of your child. And it's not going to be enough for you to take care of your home. We are only going to move into a ultimately sustainable direction for the human race if you and I are concerned about every mother's child, mm. not just our children, but the children also on the other side of town and the other side of the world. I have a daughter who I adore. She's 30. I hope to have grandchildren someday. You have a son who's five years old who you adore. We know we would do anything for our children. But we also know that 12,000 children starve every day. Mm -hmm. Every four seconds, a child starves on this planet. So my hope is that you and I, who I know already have the, the intention, mm -hmm. and millions of other people like us, are going to feel such a burst of conscience that it will no longer be enough that we care about these things. Enough of us care about them. But when it comes to climate change, which is, you know, the earth is our shared home. You love your home. I love my home. Earth is our shared home. That something happens in us, which I think is happening. I believe it is happening. We can feel it. That moves us into the place where that prayer where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Each and every one of us are given our peace. Mm. Like cells are assigned. You're a cell to the pancreas. You're assigned to the pancreas. You're assigned to the lungs. You're assigned to the bones. You were assigned to Australia. I was assigned to North America. We were both assigned to womanhood. Mm. Each of us are inhabiting the space, which is the cell in the human body politic, where to the extent to which we're receptive and we're surrendered, we will be shown the role we can best play to participate in the repair of the world. And the only thing I would add to that is that we need to hurry up. Yes. What is a life of greatness to you? I think, in, you know, the Course in Miracles says the goal of the Course is inner peace. Mm. And it says the purpose of our lives is to be happy. Mm. You know, uh, someone who was a really wonderful mother lived a great life. Yes. You know, somebody who's a really wonderful father, wonderful husband, wonderful uh, wife, wonderful uh, to your parents, wonderful citizen. So to me, part of greatness would be humility enough to not worry about whether or not you're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marianne Williamson, you have and continue to be one of the brightest shining lights in this world. Thank you so much for the deep conversation today. Thank you so much. It was wonderful being with you. I, I so appreciate it. Stay connected by following A Life of Greatness on Instagram at A Life of Greatness Podcast. For more information and to watch videos on this and other episodes, head to sarahgrimberg.com. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate and review A Life of Greatness on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. A Life of Greatness is a Podcast One Australia production. Executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolic and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tottiel for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au.